What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Box Story. Uh, stories, excuse me. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Rogers, and I'm, I'm just like tickled to death that I get to talk to this guy today and you guys get to hear his story. This is Nashon Garrett. And, and Nashon, uh, first of all, how you doing? We, we met about five minutes ago and, <laughs> and you know, we're, we're still in the introductory phase. So, so how you doing? How's your day going? Oh, I'm doing very well. It's been a uh, very s- seemingly boring and lazy day, but uh, for the most part, it's just about rest and relaxation where I'm at. And uh, I feel like I already know you because I've watched your podcast and stuff. So uh, it's kind of a almost like a second introduction for me <laughs> meeting you. Well, cool. Well, first of all, you, you said you're you're resting, you're you're getting ready, and I think that's a a perfect place to start. Why don't you? you know, talk to me and talk to everyone else about what you're up to right now. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So I am currently a day away, one night, one sleep away from competing at my second uh, Olympic trials uh, here in Fort Worth, Texas. And so that is what I've been training for, for the last four years, um, four and a half, a little bit more because it was supposed to be last year, but it got canceled. Um, it's supposed to be 2020 Olympics, but now we're at 2021 and, and everything has been kind of leading up to this great moment where they'll choose six representatives for the wrestling team. Uh, I wrestled for the 65 kilo weight class and it's, uh, it's been a journey so far and I'm, I'm, I'm happy and stoked to be here. So, so what is that like? What, what is an Olympic trial? Is this, did you say this is your second or first Olympic trials? This is my second Olympic trial. So like, tell me, take me back four to five years ago versus now. Like, is there a difference? Are you feeling the same feelings? Um, Are you feeling different because you've been through it before? Uh, I'm super fascinated that, you know, second trials, what's going in your head now versus uh, four or five years ago? Yeah, so four or five years ago, I I was just getting over um, winning my well, not getting over, but just coming off the high of winning my first national title for Cornell University. I was a four time All American and a, a D one national champ in 2016. And uh, you know, a couple months later, after the trials, actually, I graduated, and so I knew I was going to be going into the Olympic sphere and senior level wrestling, but um, Again, uh, something that many people don't recognize and know is that winning a national title is really the pinnacle of of, of wrestling here in, in the United States. Whereas, you know, making an Olympic team or winning a world championship or a world title, it's obviously huge and it's big for our country. But um, in the eyes of Americans and the eyes of college, uh, winning a national title is what you want to do. And it's very difficult. Uh, either way, it's very difficult to do. So I was uh, coming off of that first, that that national championship win. Um, I actually went down. Um, I went down about basically 10 pounds from my weight class that I, re- that I won the national title in. So I wrestled at 133 pounds. I won my national title there. And then I went down a weight class down to 125 pounds, which, which is uh, 57 kilos. And um, I think going into that first one, I, I think I knew, I, I think I felt exactly almost the same. This idea that you're wrestling the best guys in the country, um, it's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be an easy journey. It's not going to be an easy trip. There's no easy matches. 
nothing is going to come easy. Nothing is going to come cheap. And so being prepared is the one thing that uh, is in my mind for, for focus. Um, this time around, there's a lot of experience that I've, that I've received and that I've gotten um, in this style specifically uh, in college. Collegiate style is folk style. Now, no other country does folk style except in America. Mm. It is um, very specific to our country. Whereas everyone else in the world is doing freestyle. The only difference is, is um, there's just differing rules about control and about how you can score points. Um, and so learning those rules and understanding the strategy and the mentality behind this specific game with these rules, um, that is that took a, a second for me to get. Um, in folk style wrestling, you have the person who gets rewarded is the one who has the best conditioning and who's, who is doing more, who is doing more. It's the active person. And that's, our, that's kind of the American mentality. Go, 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 attack, create action, create flurries, create, uh, it, make excitement happen. And, um, and fortunately for me, it really worked for me as far as adapting to that kind of mentality because uh, that's, I, I started wrestling very late on in my, um, in my life. Whereas, you know, you have national champs and All-Americans starting out wrestling when they're five and six years old. I was uh, 13 years old when I started wrestling. And um, so I was a little bit behind. So all I had was make sure you're in good condition and make sure, you know, you can keep on going. And as far as, you know, to, to counterbalance the lack of technique that I had had uh, yes. from not having been there for so long. So that being said, this style... Uh, freestyle is so much more specific. It's it's a chess match. It's not checkers where you know you can do all, a million things and it, nothing matters. Like it's very specific. Um, it's a positional game, and everyone else in the world knows that. They don't care if they win one to zero. When Americans look at that, oh, that's so boring. Oh, this is so dumb to watch. They're thinking, hey, we just want to win. For us, it's a game. In America, this is a game for us. For them, it's their life. Yes. This is going to get them out of the ghetto. This is going to get them uh, some publicity. This is going to get them nice housing and cars and clothes. And this is going to help their lives out. Whereas for us, it's a hobby. It's a game. Yes, we're getting paid to do it. And yes, it's a, you know, it's a great, it is a great um, profession for us. But at any point in time, we can pull out and we can go work somewhere else. So... For us, we we want the excitement and the entertainment. For them, it's like we just want to win. We whoever it doesn't matter how we win, we just get our hand raised. And so making that adjustment to this kind of wild wrestling, to this more conservative pick and choose your spots, chess match, cat and mouse game, that's that is what I understand now as that's the game. That's the tactic. Man, there's so much I want to get into just based on what you just said for the last couple of minutes. And, you, you know, for one, why, you know, in college athletics in the U.S., why would they have you guys play a style that, you know, isn't conducive to the next level? So, you know, if you're, if you're playing and you're obviously training your whole life to play, you know, college sports like a lot of, a lot of Americans, your goal is to play a college sport, so you're training a certain way – you know, why wouldn't they just play the same type of style that you can move forward with? Is there a different, is there a different league or something uh, within the wrestling world that 
practices the the college system or i just don't understand yeah uh i think you're asking the question that everyone else is asking we're like <laughs> hey why are we doing a completely different style than these guys who are in the world are and you kind of wonder man if we're not winning world championships if we're not winning the olympic championships you kind of wonder if if it's the style that's actually sending us back because we get so honed in on this specific style where the rules are completely different. Um, yes, it's wrestling, but it's the tactic is different. The mentality is different. The, um, I mean, for example, I'll give you just one very clear example. In folk style wrestling, uh, we still have the same center. We still have the same outline. But if you step out in folk style wrestling, you don't get punished for it. There's no reward for the other guy for making you recede your uh, your position and, and giving up your position. Whereas in freestyle, uh, the one that everyone else is wrestling, you step out, that's a point for the other guy. Mm -hmm. And so now it forces you to say, wait, I can't just step out of bounds and, and give up uh, my position here. No, I have to wrestle in into the guy and and make something happen. And so that's just something that's very clear. And it's actually something that's come up even in our, our last national championships where people are like, hey, are, is it about time for uh, college wrestling to put in a step-out rule? And even that step-out rule would be, I mean, even that step-out rule would, would get us even just that much closer because now you're thinking, I can't just back up. I have to engage. I have to hold position. And it changes everything. Yeah, you almost don't have that plan C and, and that's, you know, I've, I've played a, a ton of tennis and, and, uh, which is a, a super international sport, just like wrestling seems like it is, um, you know, and that mentality of all or nothing for, you know, non-Americans is, is so real. And can you just speak a little mm. bit to that in the sense that, you know, yes, you know, American wrestlers probably have lots of backup plans and, you know, where the people you're competing against, you know, this is plan A through D and, you know, what's, talk to me about competing against that because I, I've, I've experienced it and, and I'm just fascinated on how you can get past it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the way that I have understood it. So I've um, competed a few times overseas. Um, I've, I've been out to Cuba before. I've been to Ukraine. I've been to um, Jerusalem. I've been to Turkey and in all of these places, particularly Cuba is kind of coming up in my mind. Um, I was very aware. You're very aware of this, this heightened sense of, wait a second, I'm in a country. I'm in a, first of all, I'm in a completely different country. You know, Americans think it's just, we just think it's all about us. Like we're, we're the, the pinnacle of existence, our human, you know, we are more human than they are. We're, and I, you know, I'm obviously being a little bit facetious, but the, the point is that that it's all it becomes all about us. Where we can be self-centered sometimes as Americans. You go over somewhere else and you see, wow, man, they're they're having a hard time putting food on their plate, or they're, I mean, in Cuba, they they all get paid the same amount. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or or a waitress or uh, something else. You're you're getting paid the same amount of of money, and um and that's you know when you look at the athletic part of that. You know, you see these guys, they wear the same clothes every day. They have maybe one or two pair of clothes. They're begging us for our clothes. Hey, can I have this? Can I have your shoes? Can I have this? They have old shoes. They have old uh, old clothes. Um, and they're using rags to mop up their uh, 
to mop up their their wrestling room. They this this their Olympic building plaza uh, windows are broken out. There's birds flying in. Um, it's it's really really wild. Their uh, their weight system. They don't have nice beautiful weights. They have you know they have really kind of run of the mill plates dips uh, pull ups. Very very basic stuff. And so them they're like we don't we're not trying to dominate and make and put on a show. They're like we want to get up out of this ghetto. We we want to get as much money as we possibly can. We don't even want to be here. They want to come over here to America. So the more notoriety and legacy that they have, the better they are, the more they win, doesn't matter how you win, the more they do win, the better off they're going to be. It's a it's, it's a different kind of hunger. It's a different type of hunger. They're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> they're it, exactly. It's just a it's a wild thing, and I'm I'm fascinated with, you know, how someone like you, someone like myself, competes against that, and and it goes back to the preparation, which is what you've been talking about. But but I want to go I want to go back to you know you said you started around 13. So you started late for, for I'm, I'm assuming in the wrestling community. Tell me a little bit about that. How, how'd you get into this? Like you're, you've reached the peak level and you've, you've dominated, you know, in every level that you've been at being an NCAA champion, you know, what got you into it? Did, did you just have a knack for it or did you shift over from another sport? Yeah. So I, I was actually really quite sheltered growing up and was not allowed to, to play any sports, whether it be the case that, um, we just were so busy with um, our own uh, like kind of churchy stuff that we did, mm-hmm. or if it was a case that uh, we just didn't have the money. I don't. I actually don't know um, what was going on in my mom's mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that more of it was financial than it was anything else. Um, I actually grew up with a twin too, so you know you got to double down on everything. If I'm doing something, he's got to do it too. Sure. And so that's something that you know, as a young person, you don't really take into consideration, except, you know, the fact that we're both getting it or we're, we're not getting it at all. And so <laughs> I guess when you're so used to that, it's like, oh, we're not getting it. <laughs> or we are, I don't know. And uh, so um, what I actually had a, a friend of mine, uh, I was actually, you know, I was about 70 pounds, 75 pounds soaking wet as an eighth grader. And um, just a tiny uh, fallopian tube of a thing. And uh, and when I was a freshman in high school, I was about 84 pounds. So the weight class, the lowest weight class was 103. So I'm 20 pounds uh, under the, the, the normal weight class and uh, or the lowest weight class. And um, I think there were so many things in my life that I did not have control over or um, control in. And wrestling seemed to be something that I felt it wasn't the case that these people are better than me because genetically uh, they're better. They have uh, a mental, a different, a more better mentality than I, than I have. Uh, It was more the case that I just didn't know what I was doing. If I figure it out, then I'm pretty sure I'll beat them. And that really was my mentality. It was like, if I lose, it's, it's, because of me. It's not because of anybody else. And I've always carried that mentality with me in the sense of uh, this responsibility, this kind of self, um, 
imposed responsibility that, hey, if you want to be good at this sport, uh, if you want to grow, if you want to, um, if you want to be successful, then you'll put the effort in when, when people aren't watching. You'll do the extra work and, and it pays off and it ends up paying off in the end. So, you know, what I'm hearing there is, is it was with wrestling. It was in this, you know, constraint of a sport that you found something that was like, you know, I have control over, you know, the outcome here. You know, if I don't get the outcome I'm necessarily wanting, it was because of me and maybe my preparation or there's something I can do in response to that. And is that, is that what clicked for you? It was like, man, that feels good. Yes, it 100% was. It was the, wait a second, I may not be able to control this part of my life. I may not, I may not be able to control this, uh, but what I can control, I will. And I, I want to do it to my, the best of my ability. And I want to use the skills and mentality and strength and speed and mental fortitude that I've been given uh, to to do the best that I possibly can to achieve the, the pinnacle. And I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about sports and, you know, why you know, I think it's such a healthy thing for, for kids to at least, you know, you know, do it for fun because you do learn, you know, there's like a, a direct correlation between, you know, effort and improvement. It might not be, you know, winning necessarily, but, you know, if you put the effort in and if you're doing the right things, you know, there's, there's no question you're going to see some, some, some steps forward. And, and I think, you know, just as kids, as people, as men, you know, that's, that's something that we, we love and we, we feel good about and it can translate, you know, and mm -hmm. has, has that sort of mentality tran transferred in, into any other area of your life out of curiosity? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I feel that the same mentality that I carry in wrestling, this idea of um, perceived level of effort and um, kind of grinding through uh, the difficult times and recognizing uh, this whole thing as a journey and not necessarily this vacation destination. That's, that's not the point. You're, it's not necessarily that you're trying to get somewhere. It's, it's who you're becoming on the way. Uh, and these are just milestones. Yes, this is um, a great time in, in life. Uh, you know, it only happens, the Olympics only happens four, every four years. Um, the chances, the opportunities that we get to even compete uh, at this with age and everything else coming up and, you know, injuries and then just desire to compete um, kind of fluctuating. Uh, it's, it's few and far between. And so, if we set our sights kind of on these grand moments in time and say like, this is it, like there's nothing else that really matters. It's, it's, we miss the point. We miss the point of, of the journey. We look back and even if we get there, we say, you know, what did you learn on the way? What did you, who did you become? What kind of person, um, it, what kind of person did you become? It's, and I feel, yeah. No, no, go, go, keep, keep running with that because I, you know, I, I really, there's so many correlations, especially, you know, in regards to your health and like, there's just a lot of things that I think our audience can take from that. So keep going. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Yo, yeah, not a problem. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, you think about, um, the tough things, like even getting uh, a regular job, you think about the tough things like, uh, being in a marriage, um, and how, how 
you know, something hard happens in marriage, something hard happens in, in life. And what do we do? How do you respond? Um, there's a kind of a, a little teaching that I do with the kids. And I talk about how um, in wrestling, uh, there's this kind of action, there's a, a reaction, and then there's a response. And with regards to the action, something will happen, something is uh, is done, let's say uh, within the wrestling, someone takes a shot at you and or someone fakes at you and they're trying to get you to react, right? Um, and then there is the opposite of reaction, which I think in my mind and how I would define it is, uh, there's, a, there's a response. So our reaction is what we do naturally. It's our, it's a jolt. It's the natural feeling that we have when uh, something happens that we were not expecting or when we were not necessarily prepared for. And even in our preparation, we could have been prepared for it, but it happens in a moment that we don't expect. It happens in a moment when we didn't see coming or we were focused on something else and then this thing blindsides us and now we're reacting to something. That means we're behind, we're a step behind. When we would like to be, uh, what's comfortable for us is being a step ahead or at least being level. Uh, level-headed. And now uh, now then you have your reaction, and then you have your response to life, right? And um, again, in the connection between wrestling and, and life, uh, for the most part, a lot of people will uh, react to hard situations in life or uncomfortable situations in life or uncomfortable experiences in life. And this reaction often takes a place of wanting to protect themselves, wanting to maybe protect other people. Maybe there's a kind of some kind of self-driven thing inside of them that's like, oh, I need to pull away from this situation or I need to go full full-fledged onto this. And that kind of ends in, you know, self-destructive patterns. That can end in that can end in a, a lot of different things. Or we can respond. And that response is taking a second to realize hey, okay, this thing has happened. How am I mentally, physically, spiritually uh, going to, how am I going to overcome this situation? How am I going to counterbalance what has happened? And why is this happening? Asking questions, figuring out your habits, figuring out how you respond to certain issues, problems, circumstances, and things in your life that you were not really ready for. And so wrestling gives me, and that's what I teach my kids is, um, hey, we have to learn how to respond, but in order to respond, you have to be prepared. And I think a lot of that preparation is learning to know ourselves better, how we think, uh, our heart, our fears, um, and over kind of overcoming those things in a way that is, is uh, going to be beneficial and helpful for us in uh, in the long run. You know, I, I I loved what you said there, and and immediately when you said, you know, there's the reaction part. It feels like so often we focus on the reaction, and when we do that, that feeling of being in control is lost. And the mm-hmm. way you were describing the response, you know, by asking questions, by you know, kind of saying, okay, what am I fearing here? You know, why did this happen? All of a sudden you take control back and it's so, it's so 
um, obvious in the sporting world. And I think it's the same thing uh, with, with life, relationships, health. You know, it's, it's very similar. And that's why I, I love that, you know, it, it seems like you're, like you're, you know, helping young wrestlers and, and, you know, cause there's so many life lessons there um, with the, just deciding that I'm going to respond to this and you know, I might not have had control of what, uh, as to what happened, you know, you know, maybe, you know, my opponent had a good move and I just wasn't ready for it, but how am I going to respond to that next time? You always kind of mm. jump back into, uh, being in the driver's seat, you know, even, mm. does that make sense to you? Where like you go oh, from, 100%. you might not have expected your opponent to make that move, but you took that in. And then you're like, how am I going to respond to that next time? I'm like, I'm all of a sudden you're, you're back in control. And, and I just, for me, it's just a, it's an amazing way to live life. It's amazing way to compete and sports like wrestling, sports like tennis, you know, all sports, you know, really can, can teach you how to, how to actually exercise that muscle. Was that Mm. something, was that wisdom something you've had forever? Or is that something that you've learned, you know, maybe, maybe even from, you know, high school to college, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Is that something you've always had? I think it is something that's kind of, I think it's been there internally, but it has matured over the years. Um, There have been many times where I have uh, not responded, but have just reacted to a situation um, that didn't go my way um, within especially within the wrestling world, um, there's wins, there's losses. And even, you know, the one thing I'm, I'm thinking that's clear in my mind right now is, for example, coaching my, coaching my kids. Um, there's, there are some of my kids, even my best guys, who when they wrestle, they get emotionally flustered. They get emotionally and mentally flustered, even if they're winning. But if something goes wrong, if something doesn't happen the way they act, they're looking at the ref, they're saying, look, you know, and I say to them, hey, man, uh, you're allowing a situation that you uh, maybe don't have as much control over. You're allowing that get to your, to get to your head and you need to learn how to just make adjustments. Um, you don't see people at this high level getting emotional, like allowing their emotions to take over them. And I feel that sports in general at least that they've taught me with wrestling it's it's taught me how to control my emotions in a a way that it will be beneficial not only for myself but for the people who are watching if i throw a fit and cry and um, bang my head and throw my headgear and act like a jerk to people around me after i lose um there first of all there i have little little ones watching me and second of all uh there's something inside of me that's like, whoa, wait a second. That's, that's not what we're here for. You, you didn't come here to be that. And it's something that we have to go through. You know, sometimes you have to act like that and feel that a little bit before you learn, ah, I don't want to be that, or that's not the way to go. Um, and so I think it's something that has been matured over the last few, last few years. You understand, hey, man, it's, it's a journey. It's difficult. It's, it's hard. But good experience, an excellent experience. Did you, you've obviously been super successful in wrestling. 
were you always like were you winning nonstop between the age of thirteen and when you won the NCAA championship, or did you go through these periods where you know maybe emotions took over and you had to learn that lesson then, or or did that happen you know once you hit this different level, you know NCAA champion heading into you know the Olympics, the Olympic trials, uh, is that when you got knocked down or had you been knocked down before? Like what's, what's that journey been like? Oh man. I, I would love to say that it was an easy road, but I'm glad that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very glad for the ups and downs of life, uh, particularly in my wrestling career, because every single up and every single down, it, it taught me uh, and it showed me the kind of person who I was, and it kind of exposed. Um, it kind of exposed me uh, for for what I said I wanted, what I said I desired, and if I was willing to uh, continue persevering on to to the goal. Um, there's this kind of philosophical assumption I think exists in the world, which says that uh, what you do defines who you are. And then um, we're kind of living under this, with that philosophical assumption, we end up living under this, uh, the pressure of what, you know, we, what we think other people want us to be, or just this, it's, there's like this pressure of, hey, I have to do this. And if I don't accomplish this, then I may not be as valuable. I may not have as much worth. I may not have as much value to, to my parents, to my friends to myself, to the world, to society. And I, I figured out that I don't necessarily know if I believe that that, that that is true. I don't necessarily believe that it's what we do that defines who we are because then you're only as good as what you've ever done. And if I'm not, a, if, I'm, if, I, if I lose, then I'm a loser. If I win, then I'm a winner. And that's why I have these little kids who they lose and they think that that moment is a defining moment for them because their parents, the world, society is telling them that you're only as good as what you've, ever, what you've last done. And so they're like groveling for like, hey, I just, just give me some um, voice that tells me that, that I'm not this, that I'm not a loser, that I'm not the byproduct of, of this, this loss, that, that I, I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to accomplish the, the win, but I'm not a loser. And, um, and so what I learned, what I learned through my ups and downs, and I've had many, I've had great ups. I've had, uh, you know, followed by great downs. Um, I mean, even just looking at uh, my college, college career, freshman year, I took third at the national championships um, and I beat a two-time national champion, three-time national finalist to, to be an All-American. All-American my first year. My sophomore year, I took second. This, in my mind, seems like, okay, well, in the third year, you should probably win it. I ended up taking fifth my sophomore, my junior year, fifth. And um, that, to me, blew up everything that I thought was, was reasonable. <laughs> uh, I, it's, I, I, it's going this way it's not supposed to this isn't supposed to happen that way it's not supposed to happen that way and when i and when that kind of whole thing blew up um uh that's kind of when i realized i see okay i i allowed my identity to be so caught up in this moment 
of win or loss. And it, it, it messed me up. It, it's depressing. It's, it's sad. It's, it's, it's very painful. Well, and uh, it becomes emotional at that point, you know, because you're, you're, you're tied, your identity and how you think about yourself is tied to a result that you ultimately don't have a lot of control over, you know? Oh. And, and then, you know, how are you supposed to compete at that high of a level being with that much on you? You know, when you, ha- when you have that mm. much pressure, like, you know, my identity as a wrestler is dependent on, you know, getting, you know, winning the NCAA championship because the last couple of years I've gotten third and second, you know, like mm. it's, it's too much. You can't be your, your best at that point. And which kind of goes back to what you said with, you have control over your response. And, you know, mm. we have these three to four things that are happening with, you know, all throughout life in different situations, you know, to me, it seems like the best thing to focus on is the response. You got your preparation and then how are you going to respond to whatever happened then? And then it's like a, a repeating cycle almost. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree. And for the most part, I think that, I think you get to a, a level where you're like, ah, you know, lights come on and you realize and, and I think that, thankfully, uh, I've gotten to that point in my career where I'm like, hey, um, even, you know, the last week or so, I'm like, wait a second. I'm, I feel a lot of peace. I feel a lot of calm. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, there's some people who might be freaking out. There, there's some people who might be like, you know, this is it. This is, you know, if I don't win this, then, you know, it's over. And it's not like that for me. And I... I want to steward what I've been given well. And this is what I tell my kids too. I'm like, hey, listen, at the end of the day, um, your effort, the effort that you put in, um, I think that that is what will keep you intact. I think there's a lot of times when, when, we, when something happens and we fail to do something, I feel like the greatest regret that we experience is the time that we, we know we could have given more, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. We know we could have put more effort in. We, more, we, we could have put more preparation. We, we know that we could have done more, um, and we didn't. And that's hard. That, that's hard. And, and at the same time, you know, I almost feel like we can't let that stop us. So say, say we have an off day and, mm. you know, I didn't put in that work that I really wanted to and I know I needed to. I also think there's a there's a moment where we can't judge ourselves on that or else we're not going to get back on the horse tomorrow. Y- you mm-hmm. know, it's almost mm-hmm. like you got to be you got to say, OK, what's my response to this bad day going to be? You know, I didn't mm-hmm. I, the effort wasn't quite there. What am I going to do now? And then mm-hmm. you're back in the driver's seat and and you can you know have less of those days. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's your thoughts on that in terms of just not judging yourselves for those times where you do fall short of, of your expectations, whether it's through effort or just a result you didn't want? Oh man, that is a great question. It's, uh, in my kind of mind and kind of in the way I hear it is, um, like in, in light of failure, how, how do we give ourselves grace in the light, in light of failure mm-hmm. in, in the light of, um, Wow. I mean, that's a great question. The way, the way that I understand it right now is recognizing that it, that it is, I think it goes back to that, that journey. 
that this is a part of us becoming uh, who we are, we are supposed to be. Um, each of us has intrinsic value, intrinsic worth, um, a, a, a call, a purpose, a destiny for our lives. And sometimes we think that this moment in time is what will make us or break us. And I think that it's, I think that when we learn to kind of just live out of, uh, out of our being, just who we are, um, and allow these things to, to be what they are and learn from them, I think that that, I think that's in my mind, the, the, the best way that I've overcome the failures of, of life. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. I, and not being too hard on ourselves because we, we can be, and sometimes it's not even our voice. Sometimes it's the voice of other people. Mm. Sometimes it's the voice of parents. Sometimes it's the voice of siblings. Sometimes it's that nagging uh, voice from from some other entity or some other whatever that is that is in our heads and in our minds telling us that we're not and we're we can't be and it won't happen and this negative this negative thought and yeah no I I mean you're just you're you're spe- uh, preaching to the choir here and because I, I often like a muscle I've had to exercise is being able to recognize you know when that voice in my head was mine or someone else's. Mm. And, and that's something you have to work on. Like you really have to actually, you have to build that muscle of your own voice in your head because it's the, I I listened to a great interview the other week about how that's like the, um, it's a companion that's always with you and Mm. you got to exercise that so that it's, it's being a good companion, essentially that voice inside your head. Mm-hmm. And the idea that not every thought that passes through our mind is is ours. Yeah, I think a lot of times, like it, it becomes yours if you identify yourself with that as a reality in your life. Yeah, and we can eat just as easily as we can accept negative thoughts, and we're so quick to uh, accept negative thoughts about ourselves. Uh, we can just as easily, by practice, as you're saying, ex- uh, reject negative thoughts and receive well-being and goodness into our hearts and into our minds where we can manifest that as a reality instead of the negative thing that is always ex- that we always expect and that's now how crazy is it that that we generally tend to accept those negative things as as more of a reality than uh, than to enjoy the positive things like that good things are supposed to happen to us, that we are supposed to be living in a, a state of, of joy and not joy in the sense that we don't, it's not, it doesn't look like necessarily being happy all the time. Like if you want to be happy all the time, then you're great. But, but it's, it's a sense of joy in the experience. It's like, oh, wow, that was crushing. Oh, but that was good. I feel sadness. I feel this pain, but that's humanity. That's a part of being a human. Those are the feelings that we need to protect. And, uh, that's that's what this life is about. That's that's it's the journey. Yeah, and 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 just knowing that you have control over that, you know, like mm. I think a lot of times when those negative thoughts creep in, you know, we feel like there's nothing we can do about it. And mm. you know, what I'm hearing from you is you can replace them. You know, you don't have to have those negative thoughts and you can turn, you know, lots of different things into positives and in fact you should because, mm. you know, that that, you know, mind space you have is 
is a lot of, you know, within, within our control. And, and there's just, there's so many similarities between life and, and, and being an athlete. And, and, and one of the things, you know, our listeners here at outside the box, we, we preached that, you know, you're always an athlete. You, you always should be, should strive to be an athlete, whether we're, you know, competing on the weekends or, or like you heading into the Olympic trials tomorrow. So talk to us, let, let's, let's change lanes a little bit and talk to us a little bit about, um, what you're doing training wise. Like what's your, what's your day like? Uh, I, I mean, I don't get an opportunity to talk to an Olympian like you. So, so tell me what your day's like. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a relatively relaxed day. I, I, and just to kind of give you a, a little bit of background, um, when I initially, uh, graduated from college, I did move out from, uh, New York to Arizona. I lived in Tippie, Arizona for about three years, and I trained out there under um, Zeke Jones, who was the um, men's freestyle coach um, until, um, and he was on the the head coach for the USA, for Team USA. And then he uh, went back to his alma mater to take over the ASU program. Um, Under his direction and under Art Martori, um, I I learned very much, and I made a, um, I actually made a world team in 2018. Um, made my first world team out there. And um, that it's, it's interesting when you're under a, an actual program um, with, with people, when you're affiliated, they have these things called um, regional training centers, which are RTCs. And um, it's essentially uh, a way for college uh, teams to not necessarily sponsor, but like to kind of back um, athletes, high level or elite athletes and have them surrounded uh, buy and invested into their program while also giving, giving as much as they can to the elite athlete, the, the college program. Yes. Okay. And so sometimes they work out with the team. Sometimes they work out, um, you know, in uh, in times that are different than the team, but they're always, there's always like this, um, kind of immersion and this like investment in each other. Hey, this is, he may not go to the, he doesn't go to this college, but he's our guy. He's been coached by our guys and, and he's a part of our our club team that, that we run out of this facility. And you almost, it almost can be like a, another assistant coach in a way. Like you're like, they're, they're yes. probably using you that way. I'm with you. Exactly. Exactly. So everyone benefits in that right. way. And that's why the kids are getting so much better because of these RTCs. You have these high level guys who are not only just co- not only training, but now you're getting to pick their brains about competition, about their competitive mindset, about um, how you get to see them training. You know, think about being a freshman watching, you know, an, a, a guy who could make the Olympics training. You're watching him saying like, oh, that's what it looks like. Oh, that's what I have to do. And you're learning from this guy. And then now all of a sudden when you get to that point where you're a senior level athlete, you've seen it so many times and you pick that brain so many times that you're like, you're already there. You're basically a professional. It's, by the, it's the by whole the thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing. And so... Um, with that being said, I was in one of these programs for a long period of time, uh, for about, you know, three, three and a half, four years. Um, and that, that's, it, it's, it looks like two times a day, you know, you work out two times a day, whether it's a lift or, um, a wrestle, um, generally speaking, Mondays, Tuesdays are, uh, two times a day you're on the mat or you're lifting, you're on the mat or you're lifting, or you're on the mat two times a day. Maybe it's a technique, maybe it's a live. Generally one of those times is, is, is going to be a little bit harder. Wednesdays, you usually have a, either a day off or a relaxation day, a recovery day. Thursday, uh, you know, two times. Friday, two times. Saturday, maybe one. And then 
uh, Saturday and Sunday, depending on what you need, you're off or you're, you're on. And everyone has to do it according to their own needs and according to their own, um, you know, how they feel physically and what they need to do. When I was cutting down to 57 kilos um, last year in 2019, I moved down. I actually moved from Arizona to New York and um, I was working out three times a day, pretty much uh, five, five days a week. It was grueling. It's not fun. A terrible, terrible, terrible experience. <laughs> terrible experience. Not fun at all. And then uh, on top of that, not seeing and experiencing the success that I wish I had, I, I had wanted to see, um, which is a bit, a bit unfortunate. But um, after the Olympics got canceled, um, uh, there was a bit of a dry period. I wasn't really sure if I was going to continue wrestling. I didn't know if I knew I wasn't done, but I, I knew I wasn't really, I had just been burned out. I had I gotten so burned out from cutting the weight and doing, um, and just doing the whole thing that it, it, it really takes a toll mentally and physically on, on a person. And so can I, can I just ask you about the cutting weight thing? Cause I, I know it's a, it's a big part of wrestling and like the toll that takes on you, like, tell me like, how hard is that? It's very, very difficult. Yeah. <clears throat> it is. It is. Um, it's mentally exhausting. Um, it's, I mean, obviously physically exhausting. You're, I mean, you're, I'm basically in the best shape of my life, but I can't really do anything with it. Um, it's, it's, it is such a conundrum because in my, my body is, is in the best shape of his life. I'm working out two, three times a day. Um, I'm strong. I'm physically fit. My condition is really good. Um, but in my mind, I, in your mind, it is, it's, it's just the gruel. It's, it's a drag. It's a weight on your mind constantly. How much do I weigh? What do I need to do? Oh, I need to work out. Oh, what can I eat? What can I eat? Uh, you know, I'm on this diet, uh, you know, low carb. Okay. I can't have this. I can't have this. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I have to watch what I eat. So there's no such thing as like eating for luxury. There's no such thing as eating for enjoyment. Like everything is for fuel. And when you live like that, it's like you, you, you become like, this you just you're just so engrafted into this place mentally that you just can't you just don't know what to do and what's your energy levels like when you when you are so restrictive um i'm wondering how do you compete if you're normally you know say 150 but you have to cut down to 135 are your energy levels much lower at 135 than they are at 150 do you feel any different um Yes and no. Um, you feel what you need to feel to compete well. Okay. So you may not be able, like, you may not emotionally and mentally have the ability to uh, get on, like, a, I, maybe a conversation like this. If I was cutting down, I, I'd be like, no, there's not a chance I would take it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, you, it's a lot of investment. It's a lot sure. of time. Like, every minute, every every hour, it all, like, if anything's taking energy that is not for cutting weight or competing, then it's not worth the investment. And that's a really, really, that's sad. It's a really <laughs> sad place to me. It's so sad. But it's, it's, it's like so true, you know, to, yeah. you know, to compete at the level that you're at, you know, everything has to be so intentional, you know, especially during that period 
of, you know, of getting your weight where, where you need it to be to compete is, you know, I, I, I admire it and I, I respect the heck out of it. That is, that is so wild because it drives your whole day. You know, you yes. can't, you can't have a distraction, you know, you mm -hmm. have to monitor your energy, you know, the way you monitor, you know, the gas in your car, which, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of us can learn from, you know, maybe not to the degree where it becomes, you know, obsessive, obsessive or unhealthy, yeah. <laughs> but, but starting to see food as fuel and, and, and manage that energy, I think is important for everybody. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I, th I think the only thing that comes from it is um, you being able to see that extreme while miserable has helped me to recognize the, the freedom that, that, that I do have, not only like, not only in the sense of my sovereignty, as far as like having, being able to eat food and being able to drink water. Like I'm talking about, you can't even, you, you, you can't drink water freely. You got to think, all right, that's uh, 14 ounces here. Okay. You got to measure that down. Can't have a sip over this, you know, like that's, you know, you can't even drink water freely. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's painful. You, um, you, <laughs> you can't eat anything fun. And so like now being able to see that because of that extreme, being able to see, being able to see that now, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And now I'm making like more conscious decisions on what I can eat and like, wow, there's a freedom. And I tell you, if, 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 if every American just could just experience what it's like not to have food and not to and have their food regulated for a period of time, I tell you, they would have so much more, they'd have so much more respect for their bodies. They'd have so much more respect for, uh, I don't know, for their lives, I think, and, and what they're putting in their bodies. And, and I think that it was a good experience for that, but miserable while you're in it. <laughs> so, so let's, you know, let's come for full circle here. Um, you're, give me your ties to East Tennessee. That That's how we got connected. Uh, I know you spent some time, uh, up in the Tri-Cities. Tell me about that. What, what, what brought you here? So essentially what ended up happening was, uh, during that kind of down period, that dead time, uh, for about a month, um, I didn't hear from anybody with regards to, um, you know, a job or anything else. Not that I didn't have people, you know, reaching out cause, um, I did, but just during this, this one month, um, there was this, there's this guy who kept calling me who lived down in, in Eastern Tennessee or Northeastern Tennessee. And he kept asking, um, if I would be willing to take over the club down there. Uh, there was a guy who had been out there for about four or five years who had, you know, had this little, little club down in Kingsport and he was running it, doing a good job. He had to leave. So he left and they were like, Hey, we need someone to come take this over. It's kind of a nice little honey pot for, you know, building, um, you know, as far as like having really elite guys out in that area, it's, it's you kind of few and far between. So, you know, me and my name kind of bring, bringing, drawing some attraction um, would have been beneficial. It would have helped me out and, Kind of obviously have the community out and so um after about you know three or four weeks of this guy non-stop calling me and and, and bugging the heck out of me he's not one of my best friends uh, <laughs> uh he why he finally got me 
And uh, well, can can said, I just say, you know, on behalf of of myself and everybody at Performance Medicine, we're so thankful that that this guy kept bugging you because East Tennessee is <laughs> lucky to, to to have you. So so keep going, keep going. <laughs> and so um, so I you know I made my way out here. And it's funny because the first week I got out here, I had people from Oregon calling me. I had people from Illinois calling me. Hey, do you want to take this job? Do you want to do this? Do you want to come train out here? And I'm like, I literally just moved to Tennessee. What am I doing out here? You know, and and uh, and so it was it was such it was funny, but it was like it was. Hey, we need to be out here. Yeah. This is a good spot for us to to be here. And um and you know, at the end of the day, you you want to do what's right uh, for for you and your future and what you, what, uh, what you think is, is necessary. Um, but that being said, um, my training, it, it looks, it's, it looks very different now. Sure. Because it wasn't, it's not, it's not the same as, you know, being under, you know, being affiliated with the school. It's not the same. I'm, I don't, I don't, I do have coaches that will coach me, but like, I don't have a coach on me, eyes on me all the time. I don't have, uh, you know, the elite wrestling partners, even college wrestling partners to train with on, on a daily basis. Um, and I've been in those environments. I've been, I've been, I've been right. in both and I, and um, I've been trained by the best. I've trained with the best and um, you, I've taken what I need to take from them. And I, and I enjoy uh, the journey of being able to kind of decide for myself what I'm, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. Um, with that being said, you know, the, 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 lim- the only limitation is, um, I, really the only limitation is the ones that I put on myself, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that like, maybe if there's like a mental limitation on myself, that's like, you know, I, I don't have as many people like saying, Hey, you're looking good. You're looking, this is, this is great. Hey, let's fix this up. Let's do this. I don't really have that. So I have to do it for myself. Yeah. And so, um, it's put a lot more responsibility on me and my growth and, um, and, my yeah just me being better as as an athlete because i'm coaching people i'm not only coaching kids but uh you know i'm finding time to to lift to run to bike to um to wrestle and uh you know and it doesn't necessarily you don't you don't need the best stuff like you don't need to have the most elite partners and the most elite what i think people are, are think that they need that all the time and you don't, you don't need it all the time. No, I completely agree. Especially, you know, if you know that you're working on the right things and you're being intentional, um, I actually think there's a lot of advantages to doing it the way that you're doing it now, you know, and mm-hmm. in terms of preparation, um, because a lot of times when you're in, you know, say those, you know, training centers and you got everything done for you, um, you know, there's, there's less intentionality behind it, less understanding, you know, now Mm -hmm. you have to really understand everything about all of these things because you're the one, you know, you're you're the one actually not only doing it, but setting it up as well. Like it's, I I really, I really admire that. And, um, Mm. and man, Nishan, I I, want to be respectful of your time because I know you got a busy afternoon. Um, so, (laughs) you know, tell everybody, how can everybody follow you, you know, with what you're doing, this journey you're on is, Uh, amazing and one that I want all of our listeners and our audience to, you know, really hop on board and, and join you on this crazy journey. How can they follow you? How can they, you know, kind of join the, 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 the crew here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, they, there will be, if you can tune on to Peacock TV and NB, 
S, excuse me, NBCSN, NBCSN. Um, I believe it's going to be on NBC. So okay. it will be live on, on there if they want to check it out. Uh, is there the, a date and time? Yeah. So there's the, the time is 11 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. Um, and that's when, that's when we're starting it. It'll be tomorrow. Um, the, tomorrow's the second. Say the first. Today is the first, so it's the second. So the so time of this recording is the is April first for everybody listening on the podcast. Uh, this will be um, on April second. I'll make sure I get that uh, before this comes out. I'll make sure everybody knows uh, so that they can they can go follow that. Uh, what about your socials? Yeah, and um, any social media, um, it would just be at Nashawn Garrett, and um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, and. Um, you know, I'll do my best to kind of keep everyone posted up there. If, if, you know, other people aren't retweeting about it, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully be in the mix and, and, uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be up there. Now, is this a, is this a one day thing? So is everything happening on April 2nd or is this going to be over the course of a couple of days? So, um, yeah, um, everything, uh, well, the prelims are going to be happening on, um, on April 2nd, tomorrow. Uh, and those will run all pretty much all day. And, uh, I'll probably have, um, three matches Two, uh, yeah, one, two, three, three matches. And if I win all three matches, then, um, then the finals, which are best two out of three will happen on, um, the third on April 3rd. And that will probably be later on in the night. Uh, maybe late after, late afternoon, probably. But um, is, is it a winner take all sort of situation, or is there a a certain number of people that that get to to move forward? Yeah, winner takes all. There you go, man. That's it. Man, <laughs> I I freaking love this. Uh, I tell you what, Nashawn Garrett, man, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate this time. You know, I I I know you got places to go, but man. You've you've made me so happy just by chatting with me, and and I know our listeners appreciate it. Uh, so thank you, thank you for hanging out with me, man. Of course, of course, and thank you guys so much for uh, your support and uh, for having me on this this show. Uh, it, it is a wonderful show. Uh, so much information, so much um, good, solid uh, information just to be had, and and I'm I'm very appreciative for your guys' show, and and thanks for letting me be on here. Well, I appreciate that, Nation. For everybody listening, this has been. Outside the Box Stories. I'm with Nashawn Garrett. Uh, I'm the host, Ben Rogers. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and as always, we'll see you all next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.